0: hallelujah, 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 the Lord is worthy of your praise tonight. You see, he did it for you. It's good that he did it for somebody else, but you need to thank God for what he's done for you. When you were at the lowest point of your life, and 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 good advice wasn't good enough for your moment, but God stepped in and, and spoke a fresh word of manner in your life that kept you from quitting. Come on, just take about 30 seconds and just begin to exalt the name of God in this place. He's worthy. Wonderful is your name tonight, Father. It's so awesome to think about that, as incredible as God is, that we never ever leave the mind of God. To know that God is always mindful of us, to know that God is always thinking good thoughts towards us, thoughts to prosper us and to bring us to an expected end. That's a word of encouragement for somebody tonight that when it seems like nobody else cares, God is still thinking the same progressive blessing thoughts towards you tonight. Hallelujah. Come on, give the Lord one more. You are my strength hand praise. Thank you, Lord, for being our strength. Thank you for being a consistent present help in the time of trouble hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah we give thanks to God tonight who is great. He is wonderful, excellent and marvelous so we thank God for letting us come here together tonight on this Friday night, January the 5th 2018. There's never been a day like this day before and there'll never be another day like this day right now. So why don't we just go ahead and give God an in advance praise? come on I I know it may not have changed yet but can you praise him in advance can you bless him in advance of the change of the transformation of the breakthrough of the breakout of the glory can you praise him in advance hallelujah hallelujah thank you Lord oh I feel his presence in this place tonight I feel his presence in this place tonight amen All of those who can, you may take your seats, but keep on worshiping. Hallelujah. Keep on worshiping him tonight. Amen. It's so good to be in the Lord's house tonight. Amen. And to be able to see each other and to know that the Lord is here with us that the same God that is here in Tabernacle of Praise is over in Seattle, Washington with somebody else, and to know that he's over in Zimbabwe with somebody else. He's dying in China with somebody else, and just we're grateful for God being omnipresent. Amen, and for always being everywhere we are and everywhere we shall be. So we bless God tonight to be here for this second night of holy consecration and convocation, and I know that God has already been visiting you all day long, just as he uh, has with me. I uh, bring your greetings on behalf of my wife who uh, made the trip down tonight, but her body wasn't feeling too good, but I'm believing the Lord for healing yet on tonight. Amen. And so we thank the Lord for all of you being here uh, where the Lord wanted you to be. Uh, as we come together tonight, beloved of God, my heart was in one place. I, I really already purposed my heart to talk to you uh, tonight about coming out of depression. Uh, that, that's, that's where I, that's where I wanted to be I wanted to, to talk to us about coming out of depression because whether you realize it or not saved people can get depressed. but the thing is that God doesn't want us to stay there. So, but 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 God is redirecting me or directing me. It was, it was my desire to go that way, but God desired us to go a different way. And so I'm appreciative of the Holy Spirit tonight. I thank God for Bishop Jackson and for his leadership, for First Lady Jackson. Can we bless the Lord for the angels of this house? Amen. Amen. Uh, Bishop is very serious, but Bishop is a very funny man. And I thank the Lord for his sense of humor, amen, on tonight. Such an awesome, awesome, incredible man of God. And so we thank the Lord for you, you, and you tonight. Praise team, worship team, musicians, thank y'all for serving the house tonight. Amen. Let's bless the Lord for the music ministry. Amen. And for the excellent work they've already done on tonight. My, my only issue whenever I come here is y'all make me think I can sing You get in the presence of folks who can worship the Lord, it makes you think like you can sing. But I can make a joyful noise. Don't get it twisted. I can make a joyful noise, For truly the Lord has been awesome and incredible in my life. Tonight, beloved of God, we do have an assignment. If you will look with me to the range known as Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 5. Uh, Philippians 2, verses 1 through 5 is where the Lord has assigned my heart on tonight. We are dealing with the whole person, the whole personhood of us, that we are mind, body, and soul. We are triune just as God is, and God wants our inside and our outside and our atmosphere to all be strong. So on last night, we dealt with inner consecration, and so tonight we're going to take another advancement as the Lord is leading, and we're going to deal and just kind of teach from this text tonight in Philippians chapter 2. Uh, I'm going to read to you from the New King James tonight, and I ask you to keep your Bible open as we will teach through uh, this holy text and develop that which the Lord wants to deposit in us on tonight. Can y'all feel his glory in this place? Uh, yeah, I feel his glory. I feel his glory. Philippians 2, uh, verses 1 through 5. This is what the word of the Lord says. It says, therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ... Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interest of others. Verse 5 and last, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Amen? Church, tonight I want to talk to you from this thought, developing the mind of Christ. Developing the mind of Christ. Father, thank you tonight. Thank you for already releasing yourself into this atmosphere. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to grow in your grace. Now, Father, let your truth come forth like running water downhill. Father, fill our cup, fill our soul on tonight till we can take no more. Father, teach us tonight how to develop that mind that Jesus gave to us. And Father, we pray that as we leave this place tonight, we leave better than when we came in. Father, take now the words of my mouth and meditation of my heart. And, Father, make them acceptable in your sight. For you, my Lord, my strength, and my Redeemer. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Developing the mind of Christ. Beloved, when we think tonight, uh, about being human and, and living on behalf of the kingdom uh, in the earth, we understand that the perfect example that God wanted us to follow and adapt to is the model of Jesus Christ. If we are going to be able to be all God wants us to be, we must be in the pattern that Christ lived in. And when we talk about Christ tonight and we talk about the attributes of Christ, the central thing that always comes out about Christ is love. The Bible tells us that God is love. But I want to argue tonight there is an attribute that Christ exhibited that allowed him to be Christ. There there is an attribute that the Lord exhibited that allowed him to walk in the very footsteps that God ordained him to walk in. That attribute that Jesus exhibited is humility. And so what we want to try to develop tonight is we want to work on developing a mind of humility. Amen? All of us need to learn how to be more humble. No matter how gifted or anointed you are, we all need to learn to be just a little bit more humble. And so when we look at Christ tonight and we look over and over in his life, one thing you will always see is that Christ always exhibited humility. If we go to the final parts of Jesus' life and we think about Jesus in the garden and think about how he was suffering and how he prayed until he prayed drops of blood. Amen? He prayed so fervently, and in his prayers, he was talking to God, and, and his humanity's coming forth, and he's thinking about the agony of the cross. He's, he's thinking about the fact that the disciples aren't quite there yet. And so he says, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. But humility said, but not my will, but your will be done. Even as we see him headed towards the cross, he had multiple opportunities to bail out, but yet the Lord followed through in humility. We think about that as they were sending him through the mock trial and as they said all manner of evil things to him and did evil things to him, we think about how the Lord was always humble. Even on the cross, as they railed on him and said evil things about him, he always remained humble. Now, church, we're not always like that that uh, we, we believe in Old Testament theology. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But we do try to get a little bit more holy. We, we might say, I'm not going to get you back now. But I am going to get you later. But, but we want to develop a mind of Christ that teaches us to walk in humility at all times. And so we see Jesus as being humble. Think about when he was tempted by Satan. And he said, if you be the son of God, turn these stones into bread. He knew who he was. He knew he was the son of God, but he was tempting him. But humility said, I can do it, but I won't. And so what we want to learn how to do, beloved of God, is we want to learn how to walk in the level of humility that Jesus walked in. And when we think about walking in that level of humility, one of the most basic things we do is feed ourselves. I think all of us, most all of us in this room know how to feed ourselves. But anybody who's ever been through a catastrophic injury and has to learn how to feed themselves again, they will tell you one of the most difficult things to learn how to do is to learn how to feed yourself. Now, since we all were unsaved at some point, and we knew how to feed ourselves according to the world, now that we've been born again, we need to feed ourselves is humility. Because if you don't learn humility, you'll find yourself eating humble pie. If you don't know what humble pie is, talk to me after service. So, so we see this humility in Christ. And so we want to grow to develop that level of humility. Uh, one of the best and most talented football players to ever play is a brother named Barry Sanders. And, and some of you may know Barry Sanders. Barry Sanders might have been five foot nothing. He was not tall, but Barry was quick and Barry was fast. Barry, Barry never flashed. He never showed. He would score a touchdown. He didn't have to spike the ball. He didn't have to thump his chest. He gave the ball back to the ref because he knew that every gift he had came from God. And even though he was a multi-million dollar star, he always exhibited humility. And so, church, what we want to learn how to do is to be humble like Jesus was. Amen? And so, we see this thought here uh, in the text as, as we get to verse 5, and it's saying, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So, so before we can really deal with the first few verses, we got to really understand verse 5. That this mind of Christ, that if you go on and read the remainder of this chapter, you'll find out that Christ exhibited ultimate humility. And, and, and even to the point of death, he remained humble to God. Now, beloved, we want the level of humility that regardless of what happens, we can still remain humble before God. Amen. And so, Jesus remained humble even to the point of death, even though he was equal with God. Jesus was everything that God is in flesh, yet he never had to show how bad he was. Now, y'all, beloved of God, all of us are in situations where we can show somebody who we are. But better than showing somebody who you are, it's better to show somebody whose you are. Amen? Amen. And so we need to learn how to develop the spirit of humility so that we can walk in humility just as Jesus Christ did. This is what Peter, this is what Peter said about humility in 1 Peter 5, verses 5 through 7. It says this, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. He goes on to say, therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that you may be exalted in due time. Verse 7, casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. So we can see based upon Peter, and when we think about Peter, remember Peter was always the loud disciple. Peter was the one who always had something to say. But now Peter's saying, now that I've grown up in Christ, I've learned that I can be mightier humble than I can being loud. Remember, every time Jesus had a question, Peter was always had something to say. And so if Peter says, it's better to humble yourselves than be a know-it-all, I believe we can learn something from Peter. But watch what Peter says in the text. He says to clothe yourself with humility, which means humility is something we have to put on. We can't wait for God to put humility on us. You put humility on yourself. Just like you dressed yourself with the clothes you have on tonight, humility is something that we choose to put on, but we never take it off. Are y'all with me? Have y'all ever heard somebody say, I'm about to lose my religion? If you have the level of sanctification that you can put on and take off, that ain't God, that's you. Are y'all walking with me tonight? So, so he said, clothe yourself, which means that we have to choose every day to put on humility. Are you with me? So he said, clothe yourself in humility. Humble yourself, submit, and watch this. He said, because God will resist you if you're proud, But he'll give you more grace if you're humble. Now, now if you start to think about the fact that that God says that if I humble myself, he's going to give me more grace. Now, grace, uh, it represents what we don't deserve. So, if I humble myself, God will give me more stuff that I don't deserve to have. Are you with me tonight? So, so he says. goes on in verse 6. He says, therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. So we can say this the best way to go up is to go down. God says, the best way to go up is to go down. God says, if you will humble yourself, I will exalt you in due time. Are you with me tonight? So so God says that we have to choose to clothe ourselves in humility, and as we humble ourselves, God's going to add more grace, and he's going to exalt us in due time. And then there's another benefit. He says, now that you humble yourself, you know, every time you got a care, you can give it to me. Every time you got a problem, you can give it to me. See, that's why the Bible says that we ought to come boldly before the throne of grace. Why? Because I know because I humble myself, I can give all my problems to God. Amen? And so I'm going to choose to clothe myself in humility. I'm going to choose to, to, to bow down and humble myself that God will add more grace, and I know that God will exalt me in due time. Now, I know what it feels like to feel like you deserve something. I know what it feels like to feel like you deserve that promotion, you deserve that raise, you deserve that. I know what it feels like to feel like you deserve something. But here's one thing you never want to do. You never want to get into the debate with God about what you do. You never want to get into the debate with God about what you, what you ought to get. Because God affected the good and the bad. Amen? And so we want to humble ourselves and let God exalt us in due season. So so Peter is is echoing the sentiment that we find here uh, in Philippians 2 and 5 to let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So if we're going to walk like Jesus walked, our mind must become a mind of humility. Our minds must become a mind that acted like Jesus acted. Our minds must be a mind that is submitted to God's will regardless of what you want. Are you with me? And so that humility, the same way Jesus humbled himself, beloved of God, we must too also humble ourselves. It does not mean you won't get upset. It does not mean that you won't get angry. It doesn't mean that your blood pressure won't rise sometime. But I'd rather humble myself down and let God fight my battles. Amen? And so so it says, let this mind be in you, which lets us know that God's saying, I'm going to train your spirit to lead your flesh. Because before you got saved, your flesh was leading your spirit. Are you with me? So, so we've got to learn to let this mind develop in us because the Bible says this in the book of Isaiah, that God's thoughts are not like our thoughts. And his ways are not like our ways. Amen. And so that lets us know that we must learn to do like God wants us to do. Nobody is born again knowing exactly how to live for God. It must be developed over time. So so as we humble ourselves and we see the reward of Christ as we read on through Philippians, and I'm not here to really deal with that tonight, but I am here to tell you that we must develop ourselves to grow in the spirit of humility. And when you operate in a spirit of humility, it'll allow you to do the things that God wants you to do. And I know everybody in here, you can think back over your life to a time in your life where you felt like there are certain things you couldn't do. But you can reflect back today and you can see the things that God did through you that you thought were impossible. And so the more and more we humble ourselves, watch this, the more incredible stuff God does on our behalf. And so, as we learn to humble ourselves, beloved of God, it will equip us to do the things like Jesus did. Think about how Jesus interacted with mean people. He interacted with nasty, rude people, but he never went down on their level. Think about how he dealt with the Sadducees and the Pharisees. He never, now, not like John the Baptist. Y'all remember John the Baptist when he was down there baptizing and and the Pharisees came down there, he called them a bunch of vipers? Y'all remember that? You ever wanted to call somebody a viper? I know some of y'all in here and call somebody the devil. But notice, the Lord never got on that level. He always stayed on a holy level, a humble level. Why? Because he knew who he was. And when we learn, beloved of God, to humble ourselves like Christ, we can take things that our flesh doesn't like. Now, y'all, I'm, I'm, I'm a man just like the next person. I get angry just like the next person gets angry. But I understand the Bible says I can get angry, but I shouldn't sin. I might think about cutting you, but I'll pray instead. Amen, somebody. So, so Jesus, Jesus illustrated how you can be around people who will provoke your flesh, but it's up to you to agitate your spirit. When the Bible says that stir up the gift of God, remember Paul said that? That you got to make sure when people start scratching your flesh, it's up to you to stir up your spirit. There will be people in your family you'll go to a family reunion and there will be a cousin, there will be an uncle who will intentionally try to make you mad. But you got to make up in your mind I'm going to operate in humility. I'm going to act like Jesus acted. So this mind of Christ, beloved without the mind of humility you're going to find it difficult to do the things that we're about to talk about. You won't be able to do verses 1 through 4 without a mind of humility. So When we think about God elevating us and God taking us places, listen, God will never take you where he can't keep you. And so when he takes you somewhere in humility, that's a place where God can keep you. And so we start to look at these things uh, in these uh, first four verses that I want to show you tonight that these are things that humility does in our life. These are things that humility do uh, in our life. The first thing we see in verse 1 is humility leads us to serve in appreciation and mercy. Humility, I think I said humiliation. Humility is what I meant to say. Humility teaches us to serve uh, with, with mercy and appreciation. Verse 1 says this, therefore, therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affliction, affection, and mercy. It's saying if any of these things are going to exist, it's going to exist because you operate in humility. If it says if there's any consolation, watch this, if there's any consolation, if you need something to make you feel better about what you're going through, think about what Christ went through for you. That's the consolation it's talking about in the text, that I can appreciate what the Lord has done in my life. And so now I can think mercy before I think get you back. I can think about how God gave me mercy when I didn't deserve mercy. So I I serve through appreciation and mercy. So mercy thinks about God before it thinks about self. Are you with me? Mercy thinks about God before it thinks about self. And so I'm serving through appreciation, and when I need consolation because I'm upset, I think about what Jesus went through for me. Amen? Because none of us know better than we ourselves what God has forgiven us of. Amen? Nobody but you knows all the things that God has overlooked and looked past that he should have got you for that he didn't. And so, it's that spirit of appreciation that when you walk in humility, that God says, I will teach you how to appreciate the good in bad people. Amen? He said, I will also teach you how to have mercy on unmerciful people. Y'all, there are some people in church that need mercy. There are some unhappy people in churches every day. But what they need is your mercy, not your anger. Amen, somebody? And so, God says, if you exhibit humility, the Bible says this, that if we exhibit love, that all men will know that we are the Lord's disciples, right? So, if we're walking in humility, humility is connected to love. You can't tell me you got love if you can't be humble. Amen? And so, God says, listen, I want you to learn how to serve in appreciation and mercy. But in order to do that, you got to be humble. You got to be humble enough to look over other people the same way God looked over you. Are you with me? Now, I know some of y'all in here are perfect. I, I know some of y'all in here tonight, y'all never made a mistake. You never you never dangled a participle. You never broke a verb. Uh, I, Yushuto is in here tonight. I know all of his grades in school were A pluses. He never got on a bad list. I know other than Yushuto and one or two other of you, I know y'all might be perfect, but the rest of us are not. And when we understand, it helps us to appreciate that what I go through, that what I go through is worth it for the cause of Christ. Amen? And so we operate in humility and appreciation and mercy comes out. If there's any consolation in Christ, any comfort in love, the way to encourage ourselves is to think about what Christ went through for us. Amen? The way you encourage yourself when you're going through a difficult season to strengthen that mind in you is to remember what the Lord endured for you. All right, the second thing, the second thing that we see here in the text is found in verse 2 is that humility causes us to strive together. Humility causes us to strive together. It says, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord of one mind. The only way we're going to be of one accord and one mind, beloved of God, is that we got to work this thing out together. God says, look at this verse, he says, iron sharpens iron. You need somebody to stir something up inside of you to make you greater. And so when we begin to understand, beloved of God, that we are better together than we are apart. And so I can humble myself and work with you. Now, now, beloved, as you humble yourself and start working as God wants us to work, then we become the body of Christ. And if we're going to change the world, we change the world as a body, not a member. And the thing messing up more churches is you got more people focusing on being a member than being part of the body. Amen? Amen? And so we want to grow and strive and work together. Now, we live in a society and in a time where everybody wants to be great. Everybody wants to stand out. Everybody wants to be a superstar. Everybody wants to be the hero. But God says we are stronger when we learn to work together. So we got to learn how to strive together and have that same love, have that same mind, and learn to speak the same thing. The Bible says this, we ought to speak the truth in love. You can tell somebody something that's not right through the spirit of love. The Bible says, if a brother's overtaken in a fault, ye with your spiritual, restore him in the spirit of meekness. And so, we can speak the truth in love. So, it says we ought to talk the same thing. We ought to feel the same thing. But he says, fulfill my joy. It is joyful to God and to God's servants when God sees us work together. It ought to stri- if, when we're walking in humility, we are striving to work together. we're operating in humility, there's something in you that makes me better. There's something in me that makes you better, but we strive to work together. So, beloved, if we are truly walking in humility, look at Jesus. Jesus did not need the disciples to go to the cross. He did not need the disciples to be the Savior. But he connected himself with other people because he knew that greater works would happen when we learn to work together. So we got to learn to strive to work with each other. Now, I know some of y'all feel like if it's going to get done right, I got to do it myself. I know some of y'all have that spirit in here tonight where if it's going to be done right, you got to do the whole thing. And what I want to tell you tonight, that that four eyes are better than two any day of the week. Two minds are better than one mind any day of the week. And so look, you can't do it by yourself. But when you walk in humility, humility makes you want to work together. Amen? And so it makes us want to strive with each other. Now, this third one's going to be hard for some of y'all. Humility nullifies your ego. Humility nullifies your ego. Is that the Leslie? See, that Leslie got a mean spirit in it. So it nullifies. Look at what it says in verse 3. It says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. So humility nullifies our ego and puts our ego in check because I'm not doing things to make me look good. I'm doing things to make Christ look good. I'm not doing things so that I can have a pat on my back or have my name in lights. We do what we do to give glory unto God. And so what begins to happen as we begin to walk in humility, selfishness turns into selflessness. Because we all have a selfish spirit. We all want what we want for us. Amen? And so selfishness turns to selflessness because I put you ahead of me. That's what Jesus did for us. He put himself in our place. And so it nullifies our ego. Now, I, I don't know how many of you can be honest tonight. How many of y'all wrestle with your ego? Yeah, just a couple of us. I know, I know it may be hard for you to raise your hand. That's all right. The Lord knows your heart. Here, here's, why, here's why we wrestle with our ego. Because we are fearfully and wonderfully made, and there's something inside of us that knows there's something greater in me than what I'm doing right now. And my ego wants that to come out, but we don't always know how to get it out. And so all of us wrestle with that ego to prove what we feel like we ought to be doing. So, so whenever we are operating in humility, humility will nullify your ego. Y'all, I will never forget, growing up, I was, a, I was a really good baseball player. I was a really good baseball player. played played my whole year, ever since I was a little fella, all the way through high school and, and was going to play in college, but I didn't play. I was a really good baseball player. And I'll never forget, I was trying out for the intramural softball team. Now, softball is nothing to a baseball player. It's, it's nothing. And I'll never forget, we were doing these drills in the outfield. And the coach was hitting pop, fly, pop flies, pop flies and nothing. And I remember he hit the ball up in the air, and it was my turn, and I went to run in my mouth. What in the world? I can't say what I said then because I wasn't saved. It's like the ball was in the air for like five minutes. I'm just going on this tirade about why am I wasting my time catching a fly ball. And y'all know the rest of the story. Yeah, it didn't hit me in the head, but I did not catch it. Because my ego got in front of my exercise. And when your ego gets in front of your exercise, you'll make a fool out of yourself. And so humility stops your ego from making you look bad. Amen? And and beloved, when you think about your ego, sometimes it's easier to see your neighbor's ego than it is to see your own. So, So when we're operating in humility, humility begins to work at my ego and won't let my ego stay the same. It says... But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Which means this, I'm stronger if I learn to pump you up. I'm greater if I learn to encourage you. I'm greater if I learn to speak good things about you. It's good to be able to encourage yourself. But God says, listen, we grow when we learn how to grow each other. And so what we got to learn how to do is to put you ahead of me. And so we got to learn to esteem each other and speak well of each other and, and not speak so negatively of each other. Now, I know at the great tabernacle of praise with the overseer, Bishop Apostle, Bishop Alpha Jacket, I, I know I know there's no haters in here. But just in case somebody joins tabernacle of praise who always sees the negative no matter how much good there is, there will always be that person in the crowd that says, man, the potato salad was good, the chicken was great, Bishop's mac and cheese was off the chain, the collard greens were good, but they didn't give me no napkin. <laughs> there will always be somebody that finds fault. Make sure you're not the fault finder. Amen? Amen. So so our egos will cause us to find fault with things. But watch this. God says when you walk into humility, you don't find fault in each other. You find favor. So as I begin to walk into humility now, I find the favor in you and not the faults in you. Amen. It's easy to see what's wrong with me, but are you holy enough to see what's right about me? Are y'all walking with me? humility makes me look at the greater you inside of you, regardless of what you might be doing or not doing, I can see beyond that and see the greater you that's on the inside. So when I'm walking in humility, it messes with my ego, it it messes with my pride, and it'll keep me from putting my foot in my mouth. The fourth thing, the fourth thing comes from verse 4. Humility creates a concern for the well-being of others. Verse 4 says, let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. I want to look out for your well-being. In corporate America, it's a dog-eat-dog world. It's Darwinism. It's every man, every woman for themselves, right? But God says, listen, that whenever we're walking in humility, it creates a concern for other people's well-being. Beloved, all of us have times in our life where we're going through storms of trouble. And in those times of storm and trouble, I don't need you telling me that God's disciplining me for what I'm going through. I need you to speak a word of encouragement, and I don't care if you've been through the same thing that I've been through. You're not going through it like I'm going through it. And so I need to look at you with an eye of concern, an eye of compassion, and ask God how I can talk you through this. Have you ever had somebody try to talk you out of the will of God? That, that you knew that what you were going through, God, was walking you through it, and somebody tried to give you an early exit? On my way, on my way down here today, uh, there was a wreck as I was coming through Charlotte, and it said, we can re, GPS said, we can reroute you around 485. And it said, and you'll save four minutes. And I said, well, why do I want to go way around 485 for four minutes? So I stayed straight on the road. Guess what? We didn't stop not one time. See, the enemy will try to give you an early exit sometime. But if you stay on the path that God has got you on, even though it looks troublesome, God has got a way of making the crooked places straight and the high places low. And so we want to walk with that level of humility and watch out for the enemy trying to give us an early exit ramp. But we will care more about others. Now, let me get back in traffic. Have you ever been in traffic? And somebody cuts you off. And then you get into to where you got two lanes uh, going in the same direction. And you done made up your mind you're going to get beside them. And you're going to show them some sign language. This side too holy for that because Bishop is over here. I'm going to talk to y'all because y'all real over here. You made up your mind. You're going to go past them and, and give them some, um, some not west side but, but one side. Yeah, y'all too holy for that too. Watch this. Here's one thing that God has taught me. If I can learn to let you cut me off, I might be the very blessing that stops you from getting killed. That if I can learn to let you do something that frustrates me, I might be the difference between you living and dying. You might just be the difference between that person getting to work on time and finding somebody that's going to show them the love of Christ. And so I got to be willing to let you cut me off in traffic without giving you the one-finger salute. Y'all, can I, can, I, can I testify for a minute? I used to, I used to, I used to, I used to have a bad behavior, past tense. Deliver me, Jesus. That, that This is what I would do. If you cut me off in traffic, I would get up right beside you. And just as my rear door was right there at your front fender, I would come over. And that's what I call teaching you a lesson. And one day, my daughter spoke with a prophetic voice, and she said, Daddy, if he dies, we're going to die too. (laughs) Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, thou hast perfected praise. But thank God the Lord had to deliver me. So we think about the well-being of others. And, beloved, you never know how God is using your life in that moment. Uh, there was a movie. Um, uh, oh, Lord, I forgot the name of the movie. Uh, it wasn't Speed. Was It may have, been, may have been Crew, something like that. But what it was is you had these five different scenes at the beginning of a movie. And you as you went through the movie, it connected all five of those scenes together and showed how things happened before these people encountered each other. And by the time they, was it Crash? Yeah, Bishop, these are the folks that watch movies, right? Crash. I'm with you. I'm a, I'm a movie person too. Give, give them some love. I'm a movie person too. But watch this. It showed how there was a chain of events leading up to this moment at the worst point in their life. You never know what somebody's been through before you meet them. And so in that moment, watch this, I got to learn to find something in you I can identify with. And whenever you run into somebody who's hurt, upset, or angry, there's some point of, 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 of connection where you can identify with where they are. And so we got to learn how, beloved of God, to find a way to find something in you that I can connect with. So I want to care more about your well-being than I do about what you do. Look at Christ. Look at what they did. The Bible says that they buffeted him, which means they beat him with an open, with a closed fist and an open fist. But he never struck them dead. I never get, y'all, I had this deaconess, uh, and she would say this at least five times a year. She would say, y'all better thank God that I'm not God because I kill all of y'all. And she was a deaconess. She said, y'all better thank, she would testify, y'all better thank God I'm not God because I kill all of y'all. But beloved, thank God that we're not God. But we got to walk like Christ, and so we care more about Him. So, so here's the here's the last thing. Here's the last thing, and it goes back to verse five. It goes back to verse five. This is what humility does. Humility gives God gives the Holy Spirit full access to your being. Humility gives the Holy Spirit. Full access to your being. Did y'all see that first huge word in verse 5? Let. That is permissive. That when I walk in humility, I give the Holy Spirit unfettered access to all of me all of my capacity, all of my capability when I let the Holy Spirit have its way by walking in humility. That when I give the Holy Spirit full access to me, I might be able to walk on water. Now now y'all let me let me let me let me tell on, on let me, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell on y'all's bishop for a minute. We were in Africa a few years ago and y'all we were going to baptize people in a river. All right, a river in Africa. What's your first thought? Alligators and crocodiles. Everybody but one person in this room thought about alligators. I'm not gonna tell you who that one person was. That one person tried to rebuke the devil out of me, but I'm not gonna tell you who it was. So we're in the water, and I'm doing like the Bible says I'm praying and I'm watching. And I told Bishop, when he baptized the last person, I said, Bishop, the whole time we've been in this water, I've been praying and I've been watching for alligators. He said, son, we're serving God. You don't have to be afraid of no alligators. I said, you the bishop, I'm not. I've watched enough movies. I know that somebody doesn't make it out of this. But I was thinking about my capacity. <laughs> I can't serve him if I'm dead. <laughs> oh, Lord. Lord Jesus. Laughter is good for the soul. But, but back back to the point. That when we walk in humility... It gives the Holy Spirit full access to all of our capacity and all of our capabilities. The way you walk into dangerous water is you trust God more than you trust what's under the water. So we can all be water walkers. Think about Peter. Remember when Peter walked on the water? As long as he was empowered, remember he said, Lord, if it be you, bid me to come. That church, as long as we are open and allowing the Holy Spirit, we can do the impossible. But when God has complete access to all of our capacity, the same way he did Christ, this is what Jesus said. Jesus didn't say, I go to my Father so you can do good stuff. He didn't say, I go to my Father so you can do okay stuff. But he said, greater works. Greater works can you do because I go to the Father. And so when he has full capacity, full access to our capacity, our capability. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. That when we give God that permission, that he has access to all of me. There's no part of me that's off limits. I was talking to this young man in a church where I'm serving, and he was saying, you know, uh, 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 Pastor Barham, I, 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 I want to sing, I want to sing, and the only platform I got to sing outside of church is R&B. And I said, well, you know, God God loves you, God loves you, but, but if you can trust God in the church, why can't you trust God out of the church? And if you need a witness that R&B doesn't pay off, look at Whitney Houston. And I'm not speaking evil of her, but, but look at someone whose gift flourished in the church, who end up turning in a different direction, and we love a lot of her music. But r and doesn't pay like God does. So I told him, why don't you trust God and see what God will do in your music? Trust God and, and find a way to flow just like the r and or just like the rappers flow just like them, but flow about Jesus. And he said, well, I'm going to think about it. And he came back to me a few weeks later I want you to check out my video. Y'all, there wasn't no Jesus in that video. <laughs> there was no Jesus in that video. But, beloved, we got to find a way to always direct people to Christ. Always find a way to direct people to Christ. But when he has full access to all of our capacity, you'll be amazed that when you trust God, that God will take a little bit and make a whole lot out of it. That when you trust God, that God says, look, I'll give you houses you did not build. He said, I'll give you land. I'll give you these things because you trust me. And as we walk in humility and God has complete access to all of our capacity and our capability, God will do greater works through us. But we must walk in humility. Amen. Amen. And I know on tonight that that you're thinking about walking in humility. It it doesn't mean that you're a softy. It doesn't mean that you're a pushover. But what it does mean is that God has more authority over your life than you do for yourself. And so we trust God tonight that we're going to learn to allow this mind. We're talking about the whole body. we talk about the inner consecration. Now we're talking about our own human mind and retraining these minds to live by the will of God. Amen. Developing the mind of humility. It takes work. It's not easy. But when God has complete access to all of your capability and capacity, He will do great works through you. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand.